Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me. That's right. Who loved me. Who loved me. Why would he love me? You got to shout that part, Greg. That's, That's the part right. you always got to shout when you read that verse. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Who loved me? Why would he love me, a wretched sinner like me? And gave himself for me. You're listening to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan, joined with my host, Jim Resky. And this is what our podcast is all about, isn't it, Jim? That's right. That's right. These conversations where we wrestle with the, some of these uh, spiritual topics, we look at the passages in the Word, and we talk them through, and, um, and hopefully people can uh, benefit from that. Right now, we're going through the book of Galatians, and today we're talking about Galatians chapter 2, and there's some really interesting uh, topics here, including that great memory verse that we just shared, Galatians 2.20, which I think actually is crucial to the book of Galatians, because it's it's trying to, Paul is trying to get at the question of, okay, so you come to faith through grace, um, through Jesus Christ, not by works. So that no one would boast, but then, but then what? Right. But then, how do you live the Christian life? Right. And so okay. many people, including the people in Galatian, in, in these churches in Galatia, um, fell back into works. Yeah. They um, they started out well, but then they they fell back into works, and so we're going to see in this chapter that um, the same grace that that brought us to Christ is the grace that grows us in Christ. Amen. Amen. And I think, so I was thinking maybe and we should talk about this, the historical context, because at the time, the whole idea of Christianity versus Judaism, such a huge issue. This is a, you know, Jesus was Jewish and, and a lot of the father early converts were all Jewish. And the idea as well, is this just an, a form of Judaism, a subsect of Judaism um i think was a big issue and and the whole idea of like well wait 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 is is the gospel open to gentiles not just jews is this is this how god was ministering to his jewish people to bring the messiah to to say that i'm going to stay with my people or is it really open to the whole world and as they wrestle with that and settle that issue say no it's open to gentiles well okay well they can become christians but don't they also have to become jewish don't they also have to follow jewish law to be a christian don't it's great that Jesus saved you by grace and on the cross, but you also need to be Jewish and follow the Jewish customs, right? And so I think that's an important context historically for the book. But then if you just focus on that as a kind of a first century issue they had to wrestle with, you say, oh, that's nice. They they wrestle with that amongst themselves. Good to know. But you don't, but it, then it loses the relevance for today. And it's totally about today. Right? Totally about today. Is it once I become a Christian, what what do I have to do? To be a real Christian, to be right, and and 
and what uh, is 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 belief and faith enough, and all the implications for that for both my justification and my sanctification. So, yeah, and it has to do with the issue of the difference between imparted, imputed righteousness, imputed. That's right, and imparted righteousness. Imputed mm. righteousness is the righteousness that we receive. Um, it's it's Christ's righteousness on our behalf. Like when Christ died on the cross, he 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 was a sinless sacrifice. He never sinned. He he lived a perfectly righteous Christ, righteous life. And so when we believe in Him, there's this thing called the great exchange. He takes my sin on Him, but then yeah. I get His righteousness, and it's imputed to me. Right. But the question is, what about imparted righteousness? How do I become more like Christ now? Right. Um, now that I now that I'm a Christian, so um, you know, when God looks at you and I, he sees Christ, he sees us as, you know, we talk about this a lot. He sees us as a perfect 10, mm -hmm. perfectly mm -hmm. righteous, because it's not our righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness. Exactly. But, exactly. Yes. But the problem is we still, but we're still living in this life and we still yep. sin and we still fall short. And so, um, and the, our tendency is to think, well, okay, so I've got to work hard at being a better Christian. I need to work. I need to be more like Jesus. And so, um, we think of ourselves as like, okay, I'm a six on a scale of one to 10. And, um, I need to, I need, what can I do to become a seven or eight, you know? That's right. But, um, biblically speaking, it's like we're a 10 in God's eyes, but we're a zero when it comes to, um, our own ability to conquer sin. That's right. To overcome sin. So we're a zero and a 10 at the same time. At the same time, simultaneously, we are justified sinners, right? Yeah. I'm a sinner, but justified at the same time. Perfectly righteous in his eyes, a 10 in his eyes, not because of the righteousness I earn, but because of the righteousness I receive, right? By putting my faith in Jesus, I receive His all his righteousness put on me. So God looks at me and says, you're perfect. In his eyes, my standing is a 10. It's 100% complete. complete as a gift. Right, but my actual righteousness is a zero, and my flesh ever earned, earned nothing. Absolutely, Greg. Well put. Well yeah. said. Well said. So we're going to look at chapter two. Um, Jim, would you mind reading the first, uh, maybe first half of chapter two? Yeah, we'll do this in two parts. So I'm going to read uh, verses two through ten, and I am in the New International Version tonight. Okay, uh, Galatians two. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and, meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they are makes no difference to me. God shows no favoritism. 
They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I have been eager to do all along. That's Galatians 2, verses 1 through 10. So, Greg, what do you think? Well, one of the words that comes up a lot in the book of Galatians is just the word gospel. I mean, mm. he just he keeps... Um, saying, uh, I, I saw it several times as you're reading in verse two, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. And then, uh, and then in verse five, the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And then in verse seven, the preaching of the gospel to the uncircumcised, mm. the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Um, and the reason he's bringing that up is because there was this false gospel that was being presented and, and he actually talks about it in verse four. He says, this matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ and to make us slaves. Yeah. False believers. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So like, they're, they're... Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, false. It's like sort of an oxymoron. Uh, is that the right word for it? Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, we are masquerading as uh, Christians and not really Christians. They said we just were here, really wanted to uh, see what it was all about, but wanted to pull them back into following the law. So they, you know, they, um, they didn't like the freedom they had in Christ Jesus, which is going to talk about later in Galatians. They wanted to make us slaves. Like you've got you, this is nice, but you need to go follow the all the law to be accepted by God. Yeah. So this was like a huge issue in the early church. And I think it's very ironic. Um, don't you that the apostle Paul of all people was the one who brought the gospel to the Gentiles? When you consider right. his background, when you consider that he was a Pharisee, right? And how you know, he even, you know, in, in Philippians chapter three, he says, you know, he was almost faultless when it came to like outward righteousness in obeying the law. Yeah. Yeah. So right. You right. would have thought he's... you would have thought he's the perfect guy to bring the gospel to the Jews. But right. God chose him to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, that's interesting. Maybe because if he had done that, if God had chosen him, who knows what the mind, the mind of God, right, in doing that. But had God chosen him, he might have been communicating, see, why don't you be a perfect Pharisee the way Paul was? If you could just be as good of a lawkeeper as Paul was, you could be saved, right? Instead, his, his ministry is going to the other the Gentiles and saying, and like he said in Philippians 3, his testimony, look, I, I keep, I better, I'm a better lawkeeper than all of you. I, I do this. I'm, a, I'm really good at this. I was really good at this. And it's all rubbish. Doesn't count for anything. Doesn't change my standing in God's eyes one bit. Right? Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, but 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 it was. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. One thing we should maybe clarify for the readers, because the word circumcision comes up on a lot of this. It's just a shorthand way to talk about Jews and non-Jews, right? Right. So but kind of was, a sum up. Yeah. But it was a physical thing 
Of course. Yeah, it was a physical thing that distinguished Jews from from non-Jews. And they wanted, uh, some people wanted anyone who be came into the church that they needed to be circumcised also. Like that was, they had to obey that Jewish law. Yeah, but it's symbolic for like coming under the under the yes. authority of all the law. Like you're gonna, if you're going to do this, if you come to Christ, you need to do this physical act of circumcision. But that means you're going to start following all the Jewish laws as well. Right. And that's and why the example of Titus is so important in these first chapters, right? Exactly. And that's why in verse four, he says that uh, talks about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, that they were free not to. The Gentiles didn't have to do that. They didn't have to. They didn't have to come under the law. They didn't have to. Um, and you know what? One of the things I one of the things I'm kind of wrestling with right now, Jim, we could discuss is because um, when we think of the law, a lot of times we think of the Ten Commandments, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, so what what place do the Ten Commandments have in a believer's life? And what I've kind of what what I'm wrestling with right now is, should a Christian try to obey the Ten Commandments? I say yes, but should a Christian rely on the Ten Commandments for their? Yeah, there's a difference between obeying the Ten Commandments and relying on them for your spiritual growth. Um, it's it's kind of like the more and more you surrender your life to Jesus, you will. Be, you know, and and surrender your life to Jesus and this and the Holy and walk in the Spirit. You will. The natural fruit of that is you will obey the the commandments. Yeah, but you're not relying on them for your righteousness. The, the engine not, of the Christian life is not obedience to the Ten Commandments. The right. engine of the Christian life is gratitude. And by the way, hey, by the way, Greg, I should mention i um that phrase the engine of the christian life being gratitude i've used that for years and i was just re-listening to that keller sermon justified sinners yeah uh and uses keller use he uses that phrase in, in, in once just once in passing that the real uh the end and, and he, he uses the word engine i think ah any any decent spiritual thought i have comes from tim keller i should always uh, just you the, thought you thought it was original with you well i I don't think I I don't think I did, but I didn't know exactly where it came from. But it was clearly it was clearly his thought. And um, I well, that just, reminds you know, me of that famous quote: "Originality is the art of forgetting your source." <laughs> <laughs> and Maybe. you know what's funny? I don't even know who said that. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be original that's with me, Greg. That's brilliant. <laughs> write write that down. In the words of Greg Bryan. Originality is the art. <laughs> oh, well man. done. That's that's funny. Yeah. So um, we all stand on the shoulders of spiritual giants uh, that have gone before us. Um, we do, we do. But so the but the Ten Commandments issue. So that this is a big issue now because people say, well, look, there's all these there's rules about sexuality in the Old Testament, right? And so, but there's all kinds of rules about dietary restrictions and sacrifices. You don't do that stuff. You Christians are hypocrites. You you, you think. You know, why do you say, you know, this rule about sexuality really applies today, but um, all this other stuff doesn't apply? You know, why is that? Why do you pick, why do you pick and choose? Right? Yeah. Um, so back to chapter two, um, before we move on to the second part, um, you know, in verse five, you can just see Paul's passion. You know, he's like, 
we did not give in to them for a moment. Right. So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. It's like he is really defending the gospel. He this Yeah, is but how's the, he doing it? He he's standing firm like in a fight against the people that want him to drift back into works righteousness. Right. Yeah. And basically what he's saying, just to be clear for our listeners, is that the gospel not only brings you to Christ, it's what grows you in Christ, right? Right. That because this letter was to believers, they were to churches. So a lot of times we have this idea that the gospel is just for non-Christians. Right. Non-Christians need the gospel. But once you become a Christian, then hey. all of a sudden you got to work hard and you got to obey those commandments. Right. To achieve your righteousness before God, to improve your standing before him, to move from a six to a seven. Yeah. Right. To and do all those was, things. This, and it, and this was happening in those early days. Like the Jewish people started, you know, Gentiles would come to faith in Christ. And they would be like, wonderful, come on in. Now you need to for you. be circumcised. Now you need to start right. doing these, all these other things. And Paul was like, whoa, 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 wait, hold on a second here. The, right. the, you guys are falling back into works righteous. And you know what's interesting is Paul makes the argument, and I think it's actually, it actually is in chapter three, where he starts talking about Abraham. Hmm. And he basically says that, you know, way before Moses, God spoke to Abraham and he said that by your, that what is going to save you is faith, right? You're saved by faith and, and, and your faith is credited as righteousness. So right. God makes a promise to Abraham that someday he's going to have a descendant, one descendant, that if you place your faith in that descendant, you you will be saved. And then Moses comes along; he gives us the law. And uh, but um, and then and then Jesus comes along and gives us the gospel. And right. again, the gospel is all about faith. But so you asked about. I'm sorry to cut you yeah, off. No, to go for it. Well, you talk, you talk about the ten, the ten Commandments, the role in the Christian life is you should try to keep them because it will show you how unrighteous you really are. Yeah. You know, you should try. You know, it's funny, just uh, that sermon that Keller talked to, uh, that I just mentioned, Justified Sinners, he talked about people that try to live by the golden rule. And they say, well, I don't need all this stuff, and I don't need salvation, I don't need Christianity, I don't need the cross. Just live by the golden rule. I said, you say that, you, you don't know what the golden rule is. You never read it, you never tried. Really, do unto others as they would do unto you. Are you living to, to for others with all the fervor? Are you seeking to meet their needs with all the gusto and fervor and, and, and interest that you do for your own self-interest? No one does that, never. So, so this notion of like, well, you should, people say, I just think you should follow the Ten Commandments. You, sh you should, you should try. Because yeah. it's, it's you know, it will realize, you will really, really, it will show you how much you need a savior well, that and that's and that's what comes out in chapter three is that the purpose of the law is right. is to show us our desperate need for a savior to show us that we're zeros. Yeah. Yes. To remind yes. us to remind us that apart from Christ, we're zeros. So this this section in two though is interesting because it's almost like he's setting that up. He set the stage for that, but he set the stage for that by referring to in, in a fairly lengthy passage, half taking half a chapter of the Bible. 
to talk about how he talked to leaders of the Christian church in Jerusalem, right? Yeah. And kind of get their, their credentials and their backing. He said, look, I went to meet with them and they, they didn't ask that Titus who I brought with me be circumcised. I was trying to explain to them, look, this is the, the way I'm preaching the gospel. So he's kind of coordinating the message. He's like, I've been preaching this gospel about salvation by faith alone. And I want to make sure that I'm not running my race in vain. I'm not sure that I've been running it in vain. So I'm trying to, and, and, and when he says to them, I think um, in verse six is, in verse six is, is translated in different versions, different ways. Uh, uh, some versions say, I met with them and they added, they, they had, they added nothing to me as if to say they had, they, they were of no benefit to me. They didn't do anything for me. And that's not the other versions I think are better that I just, where the NIV says they added nothing to my message. In other words, saying they didn't, if I told them, I told them I'm just talking about the gospel. All you need is Jesus for salvation. And they didn't add anything to it. They didn't say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. That's good. But you also ought to do X, Y, Z. They, they added nothing to my pure gospel message. So it's this, this whole section, this whole half chapter to set all that good stuff up. The, the theology of, of chapter three is I want, you know, I met with these people that are like the, and the, uh, the, the uh, heads of the church in Jerusalem and got their buy-in to what I'm telling you now, like right? their, their stamp of approval. Right. Well, let's, let's go on. Let me, let me read, uh, let me read from verse 11 to the end of the chapter. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Cephas, by the way, is Peter. Um, for certain men came from James. He used to, for, for before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not fully justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ, Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves among the, among the sinners, doesn't mean that Christ promotes sin. Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Wow. Who loved uh, me. Who loved me? I know. I for, I started that as soon as I <laughs> as soon as I read it. I uh, you you want to you want to tell that story again? Well, I just I uh, just there's so come so many great verses in here, so many key things to talk about. But the reason I want to shout that part out is, I just think with 
with that verse in particular, all it's just it's the shock and amazement when you're when you're a sinner, when you realize you're a justified sinner, we start to get the gospel. Why would God love me? And the way he talks about his savior is a way that no one would ever talk about the founder of any other religion. No one would say, let me tell you, I've been following the tenets of Buddhism my entire life. And I've really been trying hard to be a good Buddhist. I've got all these great teachings. And I, I just want to think about Buddha who loved me and yeah. gave himself for me. You know, like Buddha would say, I didn't love you. I didn't give myself you. I wrote some things. I, I told you how to live. Everything's like that. Everything else is good advice. Right, mm. nothing. Nothing else is good news. Everything else is good advice. And by the way, I you say I, I had this great, great university professor that told me all these great things to how to live and how to understand the world around me, and all these great things that opened my mind to things. And now I know how to live. Who loved me and gave himself for me? I mean, no, he taught you good things, or she taught you good things, right? She didn't. She didn't die for you and give himself for you. So I think it's it's the utter. Astonishment and amazement of Galatians two twenty, for us as we quote it. But think of the Apostle Paul. I mean, he really might have had that emotion because he was trying to Keep stamp out the gospel, right? That's, and so yes. he could be like, "Who loved me? Like, how could he love me?" Right. And that's back to that. You know, gratitude is the engine that propels you forward in the Christian life. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com Stay tuned for our next episode and remember on your worst days you're never beyond the reach of God's grace and on your best days you're never beyond the need of God's grace See you next time